Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ben, quit drifting off into memory lane. We have a show to do. Oh, it's just going back to the 70s with a moo-moo dress. Ah, yes. Moo-moo dress and whatever Bernie Sanders was doing or wearing. That's Don't say anything bad about Bernie, all right? I'm not. That's my guy. Love Bernie Sanders. How's it going, everybody? Your Ben Jarofsky show for Thursday, January 21st is just moments away. But before we do this, we need to thank our sponsors. Sponsors like SEIU Health Healthcare. I can talk. Let's do that again. Three, two, one. SEIU Healthcare, Illinois, Indiana, their sponsors. Thank you very much. The Chicago Federation of Labor, our sponsors, as well as the Chicago Reader, chicagoreader.com. Subscribe for all things there is to know in the city of Chicago and so much more. Chicago Reader, check it out. All right, song of the day. Uh, do you have a song of the day? Let me see. Oh, yes, yes, you do. comes from Frank. Uh, a Paul McCartney song, Live and Let Die. Live and let die. Our apologies to Paul McCartney. The Ben Jarofsky Show starts now. <laughs> it is Thursday, January 21st. It's still live from my apartment in his attic. This is the Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, the long-awaited return of Kenny D, Ken Davis. Now your host, not the long-awaited return. He was here yesterday. <laughs> Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Unity Time is Over Thursday. And here's why. Big day yesterday, inauguration day. Joey and Donnie out. Started bright and early with Donald and his clan hightailing it out of Washington super fast so they wouldn't have to see Joe Biden. And that reminded me, ladies and gentlemen, of back in the day when I used to walk across the street because there was someone I didn't want to see coming at me from the other direction, usually a pretty girl. I was so shy. I was so shy. I would walk across the street, put my head down, and hum to myself. Like if I was humming to myself somehow or other, that would make me even more invisible, even though, of course, it drew more attention. Who's that weird guy humming to himself? I want to thank Frank for sending me this photo. I was laughing out loud when I saw it. All these Trump kids shedding crocodile tears as they watched Daddy depart. <laughs> Ivanka was shedding the most tears, probably because they're worried about future indictments, perhaps. We'll see if Daddy did preemptive pardons, as Monroe suggested yesterday in the show. Millennia was wearing a moo-moo. My wife pointed that out to me. I'd never heard of a moo-moo before. Shout out to my wife who really knows her fashion. A moo-moo is a dress. It was popular in the 70s. And I just wanted to say, Melania, moo-moo. Come on, they say it five times. Melania, I'm not calling, saying moo-moo about a woman. <laughs> no, but that's the dress. 
Melania in a moo moo, Melania in a moo moo, Melania in a moo moo. It's hard to say. It's all florally, like she's going on vacation. Like the last four years haven't been one giant vacation for her. Oh, Mag is mad. How dare you insult our first lady? Guys, it was a marriage convenience. Even you know that, Mega. On the other fashion news, the big story of the inauguration was Bernie's outfit, Bernie Sanders, his winter jacket. It's like we're all gloves. high schoolers or something. Oh, my God. Do you see what he was wearing? Do you see what <laughs> she was like wearing? Me. That's what I would look like if I were at the inauguration, D. Only I'd be wearing jeans. Or I'd try to. My wife would make me wear corduroys. I'd be like, Garth Brooke gets to wear jeans. How come I don't? And I would show up with a nice shirt, and Dennis would go, my God, Ben, you're looking really good today. Because <laughs> usually I look like a total slump. All I got to do is put on, like, a nice shirt. And Dennis will see me go, oh, you're looking good. Yeah, the bar's low, ladies and gentlemen. Anyway, Bernie was sitting up there all by himself, no one near him. I know we're social distancing, but it looked like everybody was just, like, staying away from Bernie, you know, because he's lefty. That's how it goes with us lefties, these People don't want to get too close to us. It may be contagious. You, too, may get fired. <laughs> Uh, pretty soon, the internet erupted with Bernie and his mitten memes. Dennis was the first to report it. Do we have a crack staff or what? Dr. D's a millennial. He knows how that internet works. Uh, like, I know sarcasm when I hear it. <laughs> you did in the middle of the show. You go, they're criticizing Bernie. I'm like, what? What did Bernie do? Already they're blaming lefties. The guy hasn't even been sworn in yet. Anyway, the New York Times wrote about a classic New York Times style. It's like they know their audience is a bunch of old fogies like me who probably don't know what a meme is, so they explain it. Quote, amid the dark suits and bright coats dotting the Capitol steps, Mr. Sanders was photographed sitting masked, cross-legged, and bundled up in a bulky coat and mittens against the frigid weather in Washington. Soon after, the image taken by the photographer Brendan Smielski for Getty Images began to circulate on social media, inserted into a wide array of photographs and scenes from movies and artworks. Thank you, New York Times, for explaining that. Man, I needed help. Great poem of the inauguration, The Hill We Climb, by Amanda Gorman. Love this particular line. For there is always light, if only we're brave enough to see it, if only we're brave enough to be it. Made me jealous. I don't have an inch of her talent. <laughs> I say, I was thinking about this when I was interviewing Sue Anaveros, who was our bonus guest yesterday. Like, what would happen if I read one of my poems from my high school journal? Or back when in my early 20s, oh, the green, the green is gold, is green. Oh. <laughs> I just like, just figure like if you emote, D, you know what I mean? People would like take it really serious. And then throw some color schemes in the green, gold. It's too embarrassing to read my poetry. One day I'll be gone and my kids will be sifting through my the remnants in this office and they'll find my poetry. And they'll be like, oh my God, dad was a freak. Can we hear that green gold poem you wrote again? <laughs> green, gold, oh, the green, it's gold, it's green. <laughs> oh, that sucked. <laughs> Yeah, Joe Biden, they're going to ask me to come to the inaugural. And now the inaugural poem by Benny J. The green, the gold, the green is gold. Anyway, that was a Didn't even rhyme. Mandy Gorman. <laughs> ah, yes. And then after the inauguration, after my show, after my bonus interview, what did I do? I watched the press briefing. Yes, that's how weird and obsessed I am. I watched the press briefing. The Biden administration's new press secretary met the White House press corps. We're back to press briefings where press secretaries act more or less benevolent. They don't snarl and hiss. There's a new character for me to meet. Jen? Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. 
You know, I have trouble with names, ladies and gentlemen. And her name is P-S-A-K-I. And I'm like, Pasaki? Oh, no. So, of course, what I do, I go to the internet. I looked it up. Indeed, let's just share what I discovered. Uh, could you play pronounce for everybody? Wow, get the bar. We are looking at how to pronounce the name of the former spokesperson for the United States Department of State. She is an American political advisor who is now serving as the 34th White House press secretary in Joe Biden's administration. But how do you go about pronouncing her name? Yes. Jen for Jennifer Saki. The P is essentially silent here. Jen Saki. And now you know. <laughs> Was this any helpful? Did you get this? Let me know in the comments. Here are more videos on how to pronounce more names uh, whose pronunciations yeah. aren't exactly. <laughs> oh, I got Joe Biden on here. You need to know how to pronounce I'll that? <laughs> Joe Biden. I, I, I figured that one out. And now you know. I like it. And now you know. And now you know. That's like a rapper. Anyway, Jen Saki, the P is silent. I looked her up. I never heard of her before, ladies and gentlemen. I admit it. I'm not really into the White House press corps. Okay, I stand accused. Anyway, it turns out she used to work for Rom. I will not hold that against her. I promise. <laughs> I'm open-minded, D. Just because someone worked for Rom doesn't mean I'm going to hold it against her. Really? <laughs> yes, it's true. Well, maybe a little. Like, are you kidding me? You work for Rahm Emanuel? What are you, nuts? I really liked him and he's misunderstood. Anyway, she's a cool customer. She's a master of the duck and the dodge, just gliding around the repertorial questions like an ice skater. Big smile on her face. Her favorite phrase is, I'll get back to you. Well, that's always a good one. Uh, I'll get back to you on that one. Yeah, right. I'm six months from now. I'm still getting back to you. Someone asked her the unity question. Oh, God, am I sick of the unity question? <laughs> These reporters. Um, Jen, if the president wants unity, how come Democrats are pursuing impeachment? And they're like all proud of themselves. Yeah, I asked a tough question right out of the gate. If it were me, I'd be like, uh, excuse me, hello, but you see the insurrection last week? Did you see President Trump's speech inciting them? Did you see his calls to Georgia? Find me the votes. He broke the law. Duh. Unity doesn't mean let the guy break the law. Hello. But of course, no president with the greatest sense would hire anyone remotely like me as a press secretary. And they hire people like Jen who just glides around the question like a figure skater. Like they weren't even near those little questions. I'll get back to you. Well, that's not the president doing the impeachment. That's the Congress. We can't help what the Congress does. That's the sound of her gliding. Oh, I thought it was the brown line. No, that's coming too. Oh. <laughs> hey, Jen's driving a brown line. No, that's Pete Buttigieg. Back from Washington. I saw Pete Buttigieg up there. Anyway, she's good. That Jen is good. She's very, very good. Then I watched the inaugural special. They had a country western singer. Actually, they had two of them. Tim McGraw and Tyler Hubbard. Clearly, this was an appeal to MAGA because MAGA loves country. And they sang a song called Undivided, which has this lyric. Why is it got to be all white or all black? And when are we going to learn to try someone else's shoes? End quote. Yes, that's right. A call for unity. By the way, I like the song, B. Tim McGraw's awesome. I was to this song. Tim McGraw. For 10 reports. McGraw. Tim, 
Not McCall. Yes. You said McCraw, uh, like with a yeah, C. T- I, I know the man's McCraw name. Now I'm G. about to give you a trivia question. Who's his father? Oh, uh, Michael McGraw, of course. And that is wrong. Tug McGraw, relief pitcher for the New York Mets in 1969. Oh, boy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Who's his wife? Uh, Betsy McGraw. Oh, there you go. Good job. <laughs> I've absolutely no idea who his wife is. Faith Hill. Oh, give you credit for knowing that. Thanks. Anyway, uh, <laughs> no sooner had uh, Tim McGraw and Tyler Hubbard finished their song then I got an email, a call to arms from the Tea Party. <laughs> uh, ripping, traitorous Mitch McConnell. Then I got another email so from some other right-wing outfit. Nine ways socialism will morally bankrupt America. Oh, that Washington press corps is bugging Joe Biden already to show that he believes in unity by capitulating to the Republicans. And the Republicans are just singing their same old disunity song. We got a great show today, everybody. Kenny D, yes, Ken Davis will be here, and we'll be discussing all the events of the day, both nationally and locally, plenty of political talk ahead with Ken Davis. It's been a long time since young Ken has been with us. He's been very busy. Uh, D, he, uh, well, I don't know if he wants me to tell people what he was doing, but he's been very busy. Mm. But he found time in his busy schedule, uh, to come on our show, so he'll be here uh, to discuss all the news of the day. But before we do that, young man from Alton, the man that Tim McGraw, Tug McGraw, and Tyler Hubbard all fondly call Dr. D with the news. How's it going, everybody? And just like Ken Davis, yes, we have a busy schedule as well. But before we go any further, Ben, that poem, one more time. Can we hear it, please? <laughs> green is gold, gold is green. Oh, woe is me as I sit here clean. Oh, there a rhyme this time. There we go. <laughs> Dude, I was the worst poet in the world. But I would be like depressed. I'd be sitting in my room. Like, I'm gonna write a poem. <laughs> so, oh, if I just emoted, I thought, oh, that's great yeah. poetry. And then I would read it back. Wow, that's good. And then a couple days later I'd read it, I'd go, oh my god, that's horrible. And then 50 years later I read it, I'm like, why am I keeping this? I should burn this. Yeah, stick to columns, bud. How's it going? I'm Dennis. Let's find out what's happening in Chicago and or Illinois this afternoon. We begin in Chicago and we begin with our coverage of the Chicago Teachers Union. Well, unfortunately, you can now feel it in the air. A teacher strike. Remember, everyone, Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot and her Chicago Public Schools team still would like their teachers to return to the classroom amid a pandemic. And no new updates here. The teachers are still saying, uh, you're crazy. Can we at least wait until this vaccine starts going around a bit more? And the Chicago public school teams are like, COVID schmovid, get your ass back in the classroom. (laughs) That summed it up, right? Yes, it does. And here we are today with the latest. The following comes from the Chicago Sun-Times in Nadir Issa. The Chicago Teachers Union has moved one step closer to defying Chicago Public Schools' reopening plan, passing a resolution through its governing body that would see all union members refuse to work in person until an agreement is reached with the district on health and safety protocols. The CTU's 600-member House of Delegates approved the measure Wednesday with 84% in favor, sending it to the union's 25,000 rank-and-file teachers and staff for a vote that will be held remotely. 
through Saturday night. The resolution requires approval by a simple majority of the union's full membership. So we have that news. And now this breaking news. (laughs) Chicago Public. Oh, you're okay? I just love the bottle. Chicago Public Schools has responded. This comes from the Sun-Times in the deer. My hands are getting sore from typing so many stories. Issa has been busting his ass here at the beginning of the year. A decision by the Chicago Teachers Union to refuse in-person work and instead continue teaching remotely because of health and safety concerns would constitute a, quote, illegal strike. In the eyes of Chicago public schools officials, the district wrote in a letter to all teachers and staff on Thursday. Though union leaders have been careful not to call their planned action a strike since teachers intend to keep working remotely, CPS Human Resources Chief Matt Lyons said the collective labor action of not returning to schools as ordered by the district is, quote, a decision to strike. This vote would cancel in-person learning for the tens of thousands of students who asked to return and the thousands of pre-K and cluster students who were already learning safely thus far in classrooms. I added the thus far part. Pre-K and cluster program staff are expected to report to work on Monday as they have done since January 4th. And all K-8 through staff without approved leaves of absence or, or accommodations are expected to report in person beginning Monday, January 25th. A collective failure to do so constitutes an illegal strike. All right, uh, D, that breaking news. I have lots to unpack here. We got to bring in a team of lawyers. All right, uh, this gentleman, Matt Lyons, who I do not know and never heard of, what's his title again? Uh, let's see here. Matt Lyons, he mm-hmm. is the human resources chief. Ah, HR. HR guy. The, the human resources. There's that. How about that for a a warm and fuzzy, loving system that you just would love to work for. Okay? They trot out the guy from HR. Well, uh, technically, we, uh, you just voted to strike. If you're going to strike, we can take you to court. <laughs> Get in that classroom, the HR guy. Guarantee you the HR guy for the Chicago Public Schools is nowhere near a classroom. He's nowhere near a student. He's nowhere near anybody with COVID. But he knows the HR guy. We're bringing out the HR. How about that? How about, what a great city. Wouldn't you just love to work for the Chicago Public Schools? You're scared out of your mind. It's the middle of the pandemic. you got these old buildings with no ventilation. All these early reports are that people are getting sick. And you're looking to your leadership, like maybe the mayor, who is you know, elected with 75% of the voter, maybe Janice Jackson, who's in charge of CPL. Uh-uh. We're giving you the HR guy who's got like the code memorized. Uh, if you do this, right. we fire you. If you do that, we write you up. And they use phrases wow. like moving forward. Uh, moving forward. Uh, how about we not strike? That'd be great. Moving forward. He's going to put it in a memo for um, too many teachers congregating in the lunchroom. The HR guy. Heck of a PR move. Uh, we're going to bring out now our HR guy. And when we're done with him, we'll bring out our lawyer. And then we'll bring out the knuckle breaker. <laughs> what a system. And you wonder. You wonder why teachers don't trust we this system. To take a pulse and, and see how we're 
we're doing and how we can oh. do our jobs better. So Hold on a second. Are you hearing that? Are wanting to hear from the public. Is that the HR guy? Hey, HR guy. We're trying to do a show here. Our natural resources and our wealth. What on earth are you doing here? What? Hey, what's going on here? Like, how often have you had an opportunity to work I don't know what Hey, come on, HR guy. Conservation police our show has been taken over by the HR guy. it will be over in a second. Hold on a second. Hit, hit the wrong button. Oh, it's okay. We'll just edit this out for the podcast. There you go. Damn HR guy. You live show listeners. See the bonuses you get? Uh, Download's getting that too. What are you talking about? Oh, okay. (laughs) Podcast. We don't clean it up for you. Uh, We got an interview right after the show. I don't have much time. By the way, one thing uh, I noticed that we take out, the, the little countdown I do before interviews. You ever notice that? I go three, two, one. I'm so proud of that little countdown I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to help you out there. Yeah, edit it out. Yeah, just in case be easy really is listening. Where are we? Oh, the HR guy. I know. If you want to show how much we care about the teachers, we bring out the HR guy. I didn't even know about that, D. I didn't know they dragged out the HR guy. (laughs) What a joke. At no point. Because Lori Lightfoot herself sat down with Jesse Sharkey or Stacey Davis Gates because she abhors them for some weird reason. Oh, I know why. Because they didn't support her. Or she's not gotten over this. She made up with Bobby Rush, but she won't make up with them. What's that all about? Can't stand the Chicago teachers. You can't stand lefties. So anyway, she brings out the HR guy. Man, they're itching for this. Guys, supposedly the vaccine is on its way. You can't just wait for the vaccine. You know, I don't know, a month or so. You can't wait. I know what you're saying. Oh, the kids, Ben, the kids, the kids. You only care about those kids when it's a chance to stick it to those teachers. I've been, by the way, the New York Times had this long article, Dia, uh, taking a look at all these school districts struggling with this. I know Chicago's not alone. <clears throat> all these school districts struggling across the country, you know, should they bring kids back to school? Should they go uh, just to virtual? A lot of school districts start, then they stop, you know, because there's so much uncertainty. We are in the middle of a pandemic, ladies and gentlemen. I realize it's hard uh, to absorb that since half the country doesn't believe we are in a pandemic. But now there's a new administration. We just elected or we just swore in a new president who believes that the pandemic is real, believes we should wear masks, and has uh, is determined to get vaccines out. He, one of the first pro- things he signed yesterday had, had to do with vaccines, getting vaccines to teachers. By the way, last night in the inaugural show, D, I know you didn't watch it, but they had uh, uh, the Foo Fighters. I always want to say Foo Foo, but it's just one. Mm-hmm. The Foo Fighters. Old boy from the Foo Fighters, David Grohl. Yes. And he gave a little, it was really moving. Uh, before he played a song, he gave a shout out to teachers. It turns out his mom, like I, I can understand because my mom was a public school teacher for many years. He gave a shout out to all the teachers of the world. So it's like Democrats love teachers, except in Chicago. Freaking weird Democrats in Chicago hate teachers. They really hate the teachers union. And they're always obsessed with trying to destroy the teachers union to look good to Republicans. What's this obsession that Lori Lightfoot has, that Rahm Emanuel has, that Mayor Daley at the end of his run had? Got to show how tough I am by standing, standing up to those teachers union. Get the Bruce Rounders of the world to respect me. So weird. Teachers are scared. I don't blame them. I'm scared. I'm in my attic. D's in his apartment. 
If you take the pandemic serious, you don't want to catch the virus. So at the very least, you want some kind of assurance from the top that folks are listening to you, that they care about you. No. No, no. They're not going to do that in Chicago. Oh, no. You're getting the HR guy. He's going to lay it all out. It's just complicated rigmarole. It's got to have lawyers to, why did, Pat Whalen sent me a, a text this morning, D, which I discovered, man, he gets up early. Good God. You talk about a guy who gets up early and chopping wood. That's Pat Whalen. Chopping wood. I discovered this text he sent to me at seven in the morning. When I woke up, I don't know, it was, it was a lot later than that. He goes, teachers voted a strike. And I read the story. Well, actually, it's a resolution. They're not calling for a strike because technically they're not sure if they have the right to strike. They actually made a deal in the last bargaining agreement that they wouldn't go. And Pat's strike like, OK, I got to go, dude. I got things to do. What are you doing? Quit talking to me. So well, technically, they just OK. They, OK, got to go. That was your update. Bye. <laughs> so the board of ed has also agreed that they wouldn't lock teachers out so now is it a lockout is it a strike you get the lawyers they'll argue this they'll argue that then bring out the hr guy to read the fine print but they won't ever 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 Lori Lightfoot will never meet with jesse sharkey or stacy davis gates because Mayors don't recognize the Chicago Teachers Union. It's like a creature that's below them and beneath them. That's how you run a city. You get the Teachers Union mad at you. You're not really a mayor until you get the Teachers Union mad at you. Ah. Then you go out to a fundraiser with all these rich Republicans and go, that's how you handle the Teachers Union. Yeah, Rom, listen to Rauner for those first four years and saw we saw what it got us. Come on, Lori Lightfoot, you're better than this. Call Jesse Sharkey. Take back the HR guy. You're going to sick HR on you. Uh, Moving forward, uh, could we go back to classes? That'd be great. Thank you. (laughs) Yes, the HR guy, the dreaded HR guy. Yeah, so they'll be fighting this one out for a while. Is it a vote, a strike vote? Is it uh, a not a strike vote? Is it a resolution? Technically, we're going to bring each side has their lawyers. They'll bring them out. They'll explain it. And poor uh, Nader and all the other reporters in Chicago. Oh, God, how do I make sense of this one? (laughs) Try to to draw a distinction between a strike vote and a resolution. Just to help you out a little bit, we're going to bring out the HR guy. Oh, there we go. That ought (laughs) to Nothing like the HR guy to explain the bureaucracy. By the way, Ben Jarofsky Show, we're looking for an HR guy. If you'd like to, uh, you know, (laughs) got experience in human resources, reach out. Show at gmail.com. If you use sentences beginning with moving forward, oh, you're, we're looking for you. Come on, let's do it. Uh, By the way, we had a, uh, we have an application. Uh, Someone just wrote into that. Oh, there it is. I hear it. That's the application. Yeah, she's uh, free uh, now that she's no longer campaigning against the fair tax. Phyllis has sent me an application. She wants to be considered for the job. Of the course. opening is Ben Jarofsky's show, HR Guys. Of course. <laughs> she's under consideration. Yeah, let's, let's look for some more candidates. Now, the teachers are not alone in this fight. Several elected leaders have shown their support for the CTU in their efforts to go to work. And, uh, you know, 
not get everyone they come in contact with sick. On Tuesday, we heard some teacher love from 25th Ward Alderman Byron Sigcho Lopez. B-Y-R-O-N-S-I-G-C-H-O-L-O-P-E-Z. Yes, that is how you spell it. And Ben, check it out. Here's a Facebook live stream this morning from Alderwoman Maria Haddon. Ben, of what ward? 49th. What a nerd. Here we go. Here's Haddon. Hey, this is Alderwoman Maria Haddon underneath this hat and mask. And I'm out here at Newfield. Uh, just left Gale. Uh, Community Academy and we'll be headed over to Kilmer soon because we need safe conditions in our schools before we force our teachers and our students back. Yes. Thank you, Maria Haddon. And as Dennis will tell you, Gale Academy is on Howard Street, uh, just uh, south of the Evanston border. Uh, and uh, as Dennis will tell you, Kilmer Elementary is right across the street from Sullivan High School. Yep. Took the words right out of my basketball mouth. games. Uh, so uh, I give you a lot of uh, credit and love, Maria Haddon, for standing with the teachers on this. Maria Haddon in the 49th Ward. I believe she voted for uh, Lori Lightfoot's budget, but she was uh, elected as an independent-minded alderman, and she's showing some independence there. So thank you for standing with the teachers, because it makes no sense. The part of it that's so... I mean, there's so many parts of this that make no sense. But the part where they... They just, the heartlessness, you know, the teachers are afraid to go in those classrooms and the attitude of Lori Lightfoot and Janice Jackson and all their uh, enablers in the editorial boards of Chicago is to, yes, get tougher. Shut up. They get some epidemiologist who can't even say the word. They quote these scientists. Oh, well, no, it's not really that bad in a classroom. But teachers are scared. I don't blame them. I'd be afraid, too. We're so close to the vaccine. And I'll tell you this. And I know Maria Haddon would support me on this. And I know Byron Cicero Lopez would support me on this. When this pandemic has passed, presumably he does, let's really show how much we care about the kids in the public schools of Chicago by increasing the amount of money we spend on those schools, hiring more teachers, hiring more counselors, hiring more librarians. How about that? How about we really show at moments when it's not an opportunity to sick to the union that we care about the kids in Chicago? No, you won't see the editorial board signing on to that one. Sick to, sick to, sick that HR guy and those teachers. What a system, D. All right, moving forward. Let's go statewide. Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker was set to deliver his COVID-19 update at noon today. But for some reason, it's been postponed until tomorrow, January 22nd. We have no reason as to why the press briefing was postponed. So, hey, let's speculate. That's always fun. Ben, <laughs> any ideas to why the governor rescheduled his COVID-19 update? Yes. He's trying to figure out what stand he should have on opening the Chicago public schools. Ah, there yet. Okay. I like that. <laughs> on the one hand, I want to be seen as really liberal and compassionate. On the other hand, I'm really scared of Lori Lightfoot. I don't know what to do. Ha. <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah. I'll just postpone it a day and maybe the vaccine will just show up on Friday. Here's the vaccine. Hey, teachers. <laughs> Let's hurry up and open those schools before you get vaccinated. Live stream chat. Live stream chat. We'd love your speculations. Weigh on in on the live stream chat. All right. If you're listening, let's speculate. It's always fun. 
so uh, let's talk about our new Democratic House Speaker, one Emmanuel Chris Welch. What do you say, Ben? Sounds like a good idea to me. Yeah, I think so, too. The following is a press release from our new speaker, Emmanuel Chris Welch. Speaker Emmanuel Chris Welch announced the members of his House Democratic leadership team Thursday, including new members. What? Ben Jarofsky, <laughs> I have quotes from these new members of okay. Welch's Democratic leadership team, and we're going to read them. But first, you know, this news came so quickly. I feel we haven't given the proper send-off to our former and long, 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 long time Democratic House Speaker, one Michael Joseph Madigan. So before we officially move into the future, let's reminisce on the past and let's roll the bus over Mike Madigan as politely as possible, all right? Shout out to WCIA Springfield TV once again and reporter Mark Maxwell. Maxwell put together a nice piece on the former speaker, and I'm going to play the audio, WCIA. be great if you didn't sue us. Ben, it would also be great to hear your thoughts as we go down memory lane. We have two pieces of audio to play. Mark Maxwell, take it away. Let's remember Mike Madigan. <laughs> Governor Rauner wants to change collective bargaining. How do you feel? Pardoned by half a century of political battles in Springfield. This is a government that's in grave financial difficulty. Speaker Madigan, a successful property tax appeals attorney. We have the ability to lower property taxes on homeowners. And a stubborn negotiator. Excuse me. I don't see that I'm being unreasonable. I'm here. Would often compromise his views on controversial social issues. My record over the years is one of compromise. The devout Catholic approving gay marriage, expanded abortion access, and legal marijuana. But when it came to union power and workers' wages, he wouldn't budge. My designees to the working groups are very desirous of a compromise, but they're not going to sacrifice the interests of the middle class on their wages and their standard of living. Pressed on his personal support for legal pot, his answer revealed where he draws the line. I'm not taking any sides. I'm, I'm trying to learn the issue, and I'm trying to talk with people in terms of reconciling the differences. You know, it, it, it's not like a proposal to raise the income tax to support state government. That's pretty clear cut, right? Either you're for more government or less government, or you want to pay the bills or you don't want to pay the bills. Oh, so that's what he sounds like. <laughs> Man, that was well done. There's another part you got ready to play, right, D? Uh, that yes. was really well done, Mark Maxwell. I got to give you a lot of credit stitching together those bits and pieces of Michael Joseph Madigan uh, from down through the years. And there's not a whole lot you get from Michael Madigan. I mean, you know, he's a man of few words. That's the whole thing. That's how he, he was, that's how he operated. He was the wizard behind the curtain. Everybody always, oh my God, for years, D, people would be speculating. You talk about speculation. What's Madigan up to? What he, why is he doing X? Why is he doing Y? And then they would drag out Steve Brown, his longtime press spokesperson, to explain it or at least get uh, answer questions. And of course, st by the way, you want to learn, Jen Saki uh, from uh, the new Biden press secretary go study steve brown if you want to watch a real maestro deal with the press steve would like answer every question you had but somehow or other you're never satisfied that you really knew what was going on so uh yes michael joseph madigan uh 
that bit about the unions really uh, spoke to me. Those four years, uh, the fight against Rounders really showed something, in my humble opinion. He didn't back down. And everybody knew that Rahm and Cullerton were ready to cut a deal and back down and cut and just cut off the unions at the knees. Rob, they were, like I said, Rob's always, uh, he, he wrote the book that Lori Lightfoot's uh, following on how to deal with the teachers' union. So uh, not a lot of union love or belief of uh, coming out of uh, Rom and uh, Cullerton, but I think Madigan, uh, you know, should be uh, appreciated for the stand, the stand he took in those uh, four years. And that thing about the reefer was hilarious. You know, that, that right there encapsulated just the inconsistencies of the democratic party on the issue of legalizing marijuana. So afraid so afraid of being branded as somehow rather soft on crime if they came out for legalizing uh, marijuana, even though pretty much everybody either is smoking it or knew somebody was, I bet half his caucus was smoking reefer, D. I don't think he was. I don't, I don't think Michael Joseph Madigan. I, it just doesn't seem like they're reefer. You don't think you put a little weed in that apple? Did the little <laughs> old apple thing? Oh, boy. Well, you know, there are some guys that do like the bond thing to an apple. Yeah. So maybe he's got that thing yeah. going, you know? Yeah, yeah. Dennis showed me that once. How you do it? You cut a hole in the apple. I did not show you that. <laughs> one time we were on the brown line. He goes, look, Ben, this is how you do it. You take the apple and you carve out. <laughs> well, I, I would not do that. It's gross. Smoking through fruit. Uh, <laughs> uh, but the other part is, uh, is true where he showed me how to use a bong while we're in the brown line. Anyway, um, so, yes, uh, they played that game. And so that was some of the downside of Madigan. Madigan was not a great visionary on where the state should go. Uh, what he was doing was trying to hold his uh, caucus together. And if his caucus members felt that it was incumbent upon them to uh, pass legal reefer, and if he figured that's how he could keep in power, he had to, you know, move with the times and he went along to do it uh, well, listen i don't know I'm, tr- I'm just trying to listen here come on <laughs> you know so kind of moved left but not because he had like this moment of inspiration where he goes oh my god the political ideology i haven't uh dedicated myself to is wrong no it wasn't like that it was like well you gotta stay in power Staying in power means, you know, accommodating with Kelly Cassidy and Will Gazzardi. All right, all right, all right. I'll let him pass their reefer. So that's Michael Joseph Madigan. But wait, there's more. Uh, We have another clip from Maxwell here. Listen to a young Mike Madigan and listen for a former Illinois governor, Bruce Rauner. Here we go. From his first day as speaker. Our first order of business will be legislation which is already being drafted, which is designed to provide for economic recovery and future development of the state of Illinois. To his final years in office. When we talk about new revenue, I think we ought to impose taxes on the wealthy. Madigan made his enemies pay. It's uh, uh, (laughs) certainly painful to lose. We removed Rauner from office and we installed our governor, J.B. Pritzker. Who Madigan fought? and who he fought for earned intense loyalty from his friends. In the fights that lie ahead, Democrats are on your side. Friends of Michael J. Madigan. That's the name of his campaign account. When he publicly fired a top lieutenant for sexual harassment, his allies on the payroll at ComEd made sure Madigan's man still got paid in private, drawing heat from the FBI and from women fed up with a culture of harassment. Sexual harassment policies and uh, I'm not resigning. 
I'm moving forward. Madigan outlasted all his rivals because he used his power to protect his friends. He leaves Springfield with Democrats in complete control of state government. But in the end, it was the one wing of his party who he couldn't protect, the women who forced him out. The women who forced him out? I'm not quite sure I... Uh, I'm trying to think, like, who is he alluding to? Kelly Cassidy forced him out? Ann Williams forced him out? I will say this. Uh, he lost huge amounts of credibility, to put it mildly, when he ignored Elena Hampton's uh, request that he intervene to protect her from sexual harassment from another one of his lieutenants. Elena Hampton, of course, was a campaign ad, uh, aide to Michael Joseph Madigan, and a very good one. I might add, just like they had her working in the Juliana Stratton campaign D against Kenny Duncan back in 2016. She got harassed by another uh, lieutenant in the, the Madigan operation. And he ignored it. So, yeah, he deserved. Uh, he Listen, that's when I first turned against him on that one, D. You know that. I was like, come on, mad dog. Elena Hampton looked to you like you were a father figure. And that's how you're going to treat her? You're not going to respond. And then, of course, you like hurry up to respond, you know, like really fast when uh, the Tribune wrote the story about it. So, yeah, he lost a lot of credibility with me uh, on that front. So I guess I see where Maxwell's going with that. Uh, but, uh, you know, overall, I would have to say this. Michael Joseph Madigan was really good at building power that benefited Michael Joseph Madigan. Not quite sure he was really good at building power that benefited, I don't know, lefties, progressives, whatever we're called. People go, yeah, Ben, but, uh, you know, there was the gay marriage bill that passed and they legalized reefer. And yeah, after all you lefties organized and pushed and fought and he saw that he had no, there was no point in opposing it anymore. He allowed it to pass. <laughs> then you guys give him all the credit. Like I said, he deserves much, much credit for standing up on behalf of union rights uh, during the rounder years. I believe he was really the only powerful force in the state of Illinois, political uh, elected official, who was willing to do that. So give him all the credit for that, D. But that reefer stuff, come on. And I'm just trying to listen to whatever people are saying. Come on. <laughs> At least he's not a hypocrite. Huh. At least he's not one of the uh, the leaders back in the day when I would call for comment about marijuana. I go, Ben, I really can't comment about this. And meanwhile, they'd be watching reefer movies, smoking dope on the weekend, pretending like it didn't exist. I don't believe Michael Madigan watched, like, uh, you know, the Big Lebowski and pothead movies. You know what I'm saying, Dave? I don't think he was part oh, of that. There, so was that report, there was that report that one time where he watched The Wizard of Oz and listened to Pink Floyd at the same time. So I don't know. Never said there was weed involved in that, but I mean, come on, right? It's true. Uh, my sources tell me that he loved watching Dumbo and that scene where the elephant gets drunk uh, and they'd be like, oh man, this is good. Anyway, by the way, I urge everybody, Mrs. America, I've been really uh, praising this uh, this the show that uh, of course is a year old, but episode eight in particular, a scene where a character gets really high and gets all trippy. Really recommend that, that one to everybody. Don't do drugs. All right. So yes, a heartfelt farewell, Mr. Madigan. I would say we're going to miss you, but well, you never spoke in public. 
except for that one time he actually came on our radio show and talked to Ben. That was weird. And, you know, yeah, seemed like you were pretty greasy and shady behind the scenes. But, hey, thank you for your service, Mike Madigan. Uh, let me just remind you, D, uh, we all add to Peter Jenko. I want to thank you, Peter Jenko, for setting up that interview. And that just shows you how Madigan worked. This, uh, that's a good point. Uh, I had forgotten about that. Uh, Michael Madigan wanted to get reelected unanimously for party chairman. Peter Jenko was elected committeeman from McHenry County. Uh, and he had run on a platform that he would not vote for Madigan's reelection as party chair. So Madigan uh, met with Jenko and they talked it over. And God bless you, Jenko. He said, uh, you got to do this interview with Ben Jarofsky. And that's how determined Madigan was to get Jenko's vote. So he did the interview, remember? He talked about apples and his love for apples. Actually, I don't think we I questioned him on that issue, D. Uh, but um, that was back at the old days at the radio station. I can't remember the name of it, but it doesn't matter. Uh, anyway, it was WCPT so, uh, 820 AM. Okay. Or Facts oh, yeah. Matter. Oh, yeah, unless they're about tips. Anyway, uh, and then, um, uh, so Jenko still didn't vote for him. So, <laughs> Peter Jenko, thank you very much for uh, making that interview happen. All right, so with that out of the way, now let's find out who's on Team Welch. The Illinois Speaker's Democratic Leadership Team, Emmanuel Chris Welch, released the following statement. As we begin a new day in the House, I am committed to assembling a Democratic leadership team that values those things that have made our caucus so successful while also pursuing needed changes to strengthen our caucus, our House, and our state. They have spoke passionately for their communities and also extended their hands to their colleagues in compromise. I look forward to working closely with them and with all members of this chamber to meet the challenges and seize the opportunities of this moment. All right, everybody, here we go. Without further ado, let's meet Chris Welch's Democratic Leadership Team. <laughs> Speaker Welch's House Democratic Leadership Team. Ooh, baby. All right. First up, State Rep Jihan Gordon Booth, a Democrat out of Peoria, who will serve as Deputy Majority Leader and Speaker Pro Tempore. Whatever that means. Here's the quote from Gordon Booth. As Speaker Welch begins a historic speakership, I'm proud to be a part of a leadership team that recognizes that the diversity of our caucus is our strength. Last week, Democrats stood together to move forward on landmark legislation advancing justice for all, something that required each of us to think beyond our own experience and listen to one another. While there is a lot of work ahead, we will continue to work together in this way to build a stronger Illinois. Yeah, Jahan Gordon Booth. She's been on the show a couple of times, Steve, from Peoria. And uh, she'll be the person who gets to run the meetings when um, uh, Speaker Welch is uh, not in the uh, chambers. Uh, and I like her. She was one of the most forceful advocates for legalizing a uh, reefer in the state. Uh, and she also spoke up many times on criminal justice issues. Oh, my God. There was that one. Uh, remember that big debate? I talked about it uh, for a long time that took place a couple of years ago uh, in the in the legislature, Juliana Stratton's bill, uh, where she wanted to give voting rights to people who were in jail but had uh, not been convicted of anything. People basically just couldn't pay their bail. So she wanted to allow them to vote. And the Republicans were just up in arms uh, talking about how you're soft on crime. And what about the victims? So bizarre. So weird, the Republican rhetoric. 
uh, and she stood uh, uh, strong. She gave up a, gave a great uh, a speech in defense of Julianne Stratton's bill. But I just, it's just so funny, Dee, when I think of like uh, Donald Trump making all these pardons yesterday. Steve Bannon was pardoned. Uh, Lil Wayne was pardoned. All these pardons, and he's so he's got this. They have this very bizarre personal notion of when criminal justice is abused by police. He's like us. It doesn't matter like if thousands and thousands and thousands of other people, ordinary people we don't know about are getting locked up uh, and is thrown away because they can't pay bail. But us, when we're hurt, when we feel like we're being victimized, that's like a very Republican-esque attitude about criminal justice. But when Juliana Stratton and Jahan Gordon Booth stood up uh, on behalf of thousands of people, just ordinary citizens that all don't have connections to the White House, it's like you're soft on crime. What about the victims? So, uh, Jahan Gordon Booth, congratulations. Well, that's just one, Ben. We have more to go. Let's find out who the rest of the team is. Speaker Welch's House Democratic Leadership Team. Hell yeah. Up next, State Rep Robin Gable, a Democrat from Evanston. She will serve as Assistant Majority Leader. Speaker Welch has called on, well, this is a quote from her, by the way. Speaker Welch has called on every member of this house to work together to meet the challenges of this moment. We come to the table prepared to advocate for the criminal services, families, and small businesses need to emerge from the COVID-19 pandemic. Smart budget solutions that invest in our future, the health of our families, our environmental resources, strong schools, and a strong economy. Robin Gable from Evanston, uh, and uh, that she was one of the first. She's part of that first uh, group of legislators who said they were not going to vote for Madigan. So this is her way of saying uh, she's on board. And, uh, and by the way, it's interesting uh, to uh, women uh, given prominent positions in Chris Welch's uh, uh, new lineup. He uh, has some issues on that front from way back when. Dave, we all know about that. We talked about that already. A police report alleging uh, that uh, he beat up uh, an old lover of his. He claims it didn't happen, uh, but he was supported by virtually every woman in the Democratic caucus, except for I think Kelly Cassidy was the one. I'm just doing this from memory. She voted present. So this is Chris Welch's way of saying, I'm uh, very aware that I have to be extremely inclusive uh, when it comes to women in my caucus. And so Robin Gable from Evanston, is another one who's getting a promotion. All right, more members to announce. Let's do it. Speaker Welch's House Democratic Leadership Team. All right, up next, a former guest of the Ben Jarofsky Show. It's State Rep Jamie Andrade, Democrat out of Chicago. He will serve as Assistant Majority Leader. Andrade said, quote, this leadership team reflects the diversity and geography of our state. And we share a commitment to doing what is right for every part of Illinois. The challenges ahead of us are clear, but Speaker Welch has made it clear this is no time to hide from these challenges. It's time to confront them head on and work together to strengthen our state. Ben, you weigh in on Andrade in a moment. We're going to go over another member who you have no clue who it is. We'll just read it real quick. State Rep. Jay Hoffman, Democrat of Swansea. 
He will also serve as assistant majority leader. Hoffman said, quote, the work ahead of our state is so critical. We are tasked with bringing Illinois through an unprecedented pandemic, repairing the budgetary damage that crisis has created and building a stronger, more just state. Democrats stand united with Speaker Welch in this effort. We're enthused by this new moment and remain committed to continuing our work for a stronger middle class, an economy that works for everyone and a better Illinois for all. Yeah, Jay Hoffman, I'll go back to Jamie, but just say Jay Hoffman was uh, considering running against Chris Welch. So again, sign of unity. Jay Hoffman did not run, but is uh, aboard the Welch team. Tell you what, Welch is quite an operator. I told you this, D. I told you. He's been on the show a few times, and he's just got that classic play the cards close to the vest style that'll take him far uh, in political leadership. Uh, Jamie Andrade, of course, is a frequent guest on this show, a state rep from the northwest side of Chicago. Got his start uh, from with Richard Mel's political organization, a little to the right of me, but I enjoyed talking politics with Jamie. And he made it clear he was all matting it. Remember the last time he was on the show, Dave, with Dave Feller, uh, the northwest side political know-it-alls, all matting it. He did a counterpunch. He was, this is back before Chris Welch had officially launched his campaign. Man, it's so weird. Uh, and uh, the um, the Black Caucus in Springfield and the Latino Caucus in Springfield were united behind Madigan. And so uh, Jamie was suggesting that it was like white privilege to be against Madigan. <laughs> it was an interesting a little uh, counterpunch from uh, uh, Jamie Andrade, who got his start, like I said, from uh, Richard Mell's organization, the 33rd Ward. But he threw that punch. It was an effective punch, I thought, you know? It's kind of like calling out Will Cazardi, et cetera, and all the other, uh, uh, quote, unquote, do-good Democrats. And, uh, well, you know, uh, Michael Madigan decided that he would not uh, run again uh, for caucus. He suspended his campaign and essentially uh, greenlit things for Chris Welch to make the move uh, and pick up uh, support for Madigan loyalists. Madigan loyalists would not defy Michael Madigan. Jamie Adrati would never uh do something as bold as support another candidate for Speaker of the House while Madigan uh, was still officially running for re-election. But once Madigan suspended his campaign, uh, Jamie was free to, to join the Chris Welch team and join it he did. And um, and now he is rising in the ranks. Uh, he's your state rep, isn't he, D? Yeah, he's my state I, rep. Yeah, I, uh, I believe uh, he is your state rep as well. So good move. Jamie, you played that one well. Richard uh, Mel would be proud. Shout out to Dragon Slayer 19 on the live stream chat. He says, uh, is, it's white privilege to be against Madigan? Fuck off. Okay, Dragon Slayer. <laughs> I'm just telling you. I didn't read that no, last a, part. <laughs> Dragon Slayer, I'm just saying, that's the line they put out. Somehow it's white privilege. Watch your <laughs> mouth. For the whitest guy in the state of the house. Yes, but that was the spin, okay? And Filthy mouth on you, Mr. Slayer. So, yeah, I, listen, I didn't play the card. Jamie played the card. All right. Other members include State Representative Mary Flower. She'll be Deputy Majority Leader and Dean of the Caucus. State Representative Elizabeth Hernandez will be Assistant Majority Leader. State Rep Natalie Manley will be Assistant Majority Leader. State Representative Marcus C. Evans Jr. will be the Assistant Majority Leader. Hey, another former guest of the Ben Jarofsky Show, State Rep Delia Ramirez will be Assistant Majority Leader. 
This next one was a guest when we were on the radio. State Representative Carol Ammons will be Democratic Conference Chair and the Majority Leader, the bald one, State Rep Greg Harris. Yes, Greg Harris. Talk about a guy who keeps the cards very close, very, very, very close to his vest. By the way, he announced that he had no interest uh, in replacing Heather Staines as state senator. So it looks like it's Casey's Kelly Cassidy. I haven't seen any uh, uh, late breaking news in that one. Any breaking news in that one, D? No. Um, and noticeably absent from any of these positions, you notice leadership positions is Kelly Cassidy because she's like, I am out of here. I'm going Rob Martwick. I'm getting out of his state house, uh, the House of Representatives, and I'm moving on up uh, to the Senate. Delia Ramirez, got to give her credit. I mean, she has she been in for a year yet? I mean, time is a blur, D. I think she got elected in 2018. So she's already a leader. Good move. Very good move. Tell you what, she knows how to play her cards too, D. Okay. Did you get a promotion? Are you one of the people that got moved up to a house leadership position? Well, I've been meaning to talk with you. Uh, You know, we've been really busy lately. I haven't had the chance to... Think with you, but I mean, congratulations to Delia Ramirez. You see, that that was a good move. That's like she's perhaps, I would say, arguably, well, I want to say the most progressive or lefty uh, in the uh, state house, but um, among them. And so that's his way of saying that lefties will be welcome uh, in the inner circle as well. So, and Will Gazzardi, right, D? Will A, yeah. Hey, bring your hacky sack, bud. I believe you said that Will Gazzardi was also given some kind of leadership position. Or we gotten to that one yet. That could have been the pre-show prep. I Sorry, I didn't mean to I didn't mean to cut you off. So yeah, so everybody's a part of the team. The the uh you talk about unity. They talk about unity in Washington. Lots of unity in Springfield. Everybody's part of the Chris Welch team. I told you the guy knew how to play the game, D. I told you he knew how to play the game. He learned from the maestro, Michael Joseph. He doesn't even need the tech winner assistant on the bench. He's ready to go on his own. All right. And we do have some more uh, members to announce on the team of Chris Welch, his new Democratic leadership team. We heard from Jamie Andrade and others. But, yes, other members of the leadership team, the the progressive, I can't talk, the progressive caucus whip. That's going to be State Rep Will Gazzardi. The Black Caucus Whip is Cam Buckner. Asian Caucus Whip is Representative Teresa Ma. And we have here the Downstate Caucus Whip, Larry Walsh Jr. The Women's Caucus Whip, Deb Conroy. And the Latinx Caucus Whip is Aaron Ortiz. Wealth and his full leadership team are preparing new changes to the House rules based on input from both sides of the aisle. And there it was, Chris Welch's Democratic leadership team. (laughs) Speaker Welch's House Democratic leadership team. Hell yeah. Remember, everybody, you can find more Ben Jarofsky shows, Benny J bonus interviews, and so much more at the Chicago Reader website and wherever else you download podcasts. All right. Find us online at Benny J Show, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J Show on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You can send us an email, Show at gmail.com. And yes, you can call the Ben Jarofsky Show, 708 658 Four seven eight eight. The number again: seven zero eight six five eight four seven eight eight. And hey, moving forward, call the show. 
while it's not going on, you know? Your turn, Ben. Oh, I was just getting ready for the Ken Davis interview. We got Ken Davis coming up. We're going to take a break and bring on our superstar guest in just a moment. D-Y-L-O-N-S-I-G-C-H-O-L-O-P-E-Z. 